0: 11, verse 6. It says, Without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. One thing I think we do is when we bring our tithes and offerings, sometimes we just do it haphazardly or take it for granted and just put it in. But when, we, when you sow your tithes and when you sow your offerings, we need to do it in faith. And realize that God is a rewarder of those that are obedient, who diligently serve him. And as you sow seed, there's the law of seed time and harvest. What you sow will always come back in a harvest, but we need to be in faith for that. So as you sow your seed realize that and be in faith and you can speak the word over your seed and we speak the word over our seed here. Now this year we've done lots of different things, but financially we've done some things and a lot of the things that we've done and spent the money on are things that can't be seen very well. We had to finish up the South building, the bathrooms and the doors and that, and we pretty much have that, a lot of that completed and it looks good. And then um, our water, we have a well out here, and our water sometimes needs help. And so we've, this year, put in a whole new water system so that we have good water to drink here. And so that was expensive. And then... We had to get a new keyboard, and it isn't up here, but we've just purchased a new keyboard that Abe can do a lot of new things on that. And then the other project that we've been working on for a long time, several months, is getting a whole new computer projector system. It will be tied to every room. We can do a lot more things online. And so we're getting ready to go on that. Now, you're always faithful, And we appreciate that. But if you have extra seed that you want to sow, this would be the opportune time to do it, this within the next few months. And you can just mark on your envelope uh, sound system or computer or whatever, and it will go for that. So if you're able to do that, we just put that out there. We like to give you opportunities and things to sow into. We don't do it all the time, but if you're interested in that, Please consider that. Otherwise, ushers, you may go ahead and receive this morning's tithes and offerings.
1: Somebody play piano, would you? You miss it when your worship leader's gone. Don't take your worship leader for granted. Amen? Amen. I'm sure he's nervous if he's going to be able to speak tomorrow on on this program, but I'm sure he'll be able to do it. Do you know this church, we've been here how many years? Forty years. One thing that was always important to me, that i always we always Kathy and i that we would never ever take advantage of our sheep financially have we ever pressured you for finances no and we never will you know why cuz we serve a big god and he has always come through for us exceedingly abundantly there's your hint let's look at Ephesians chapter 3 amen Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14, we've been on a series entitled, How Big Is Your God? Say, how big is your God? Oh, he's big, isn't he? Amen. And a few weeks ago, it's been well over a month, I uh, had been looking and reading this scripture, meditating on this scripture, and it just all fell together, and I've been on a a certain lesson every week, and this is the fourth one, this is the last one. We'll review quickly. But I want to go through here, and I want to read this verse. This is in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. It says this, Now to him who's able to do what? Exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works mightily within us. So, the end of this year, going into this new year, I want you to start thinking bigger. God is a big God. He's El Shaddai, the God who's more than enough. He's Jehovah Jireh. He supplies our every need. But as Christians, we just settle for a little bit and we're afraid to go boldly before the throne of grace and ask the Father for more. I'll tell you something, our God wants you and I to go to Him and ask big. So I want you to start renewing your mind to this fact, and I want you to meditate on this scripture. Now to Him who's able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we might ask or think, according to the power that works mightily within us. We gave you our purpose statement, and this is what we have been sharing with you every week, and let me read it to you. As Christians, we must believe that our God can and is willing to exceed our highest expectations. We said, sad to say, because of an attitude of indifference and a lack of understanding of the power that works in us, we limit God by not asking big or thinking big. If the church is going to minister effectively in the days ahead to the harvest of souls that's coming in, we must personally and corporately adopt and exercise a kingdom mindset of growth and expansion. Say growth and expansion. Next year will be a year, and I I say this and I believe this with all my heart, concerning the church, concerning your business. It's a year of expansion. It's a year of growth. It's a year of blessing. We've come through hell, have we not? But God always, always delivers His people into a broad, wealthy place. Because He's a good God. Amen? Now, we said this mindset will believe big, dream big, pray big, and ask big. Say that with me. Believe big, dream big. Pray big and ask big. If we do this at Harvest Church, guess what will happen? Big things. Amen. Big things. We've looked at four men in the Bible that are that are four examples of this. And I'm going to ask, this is a test. What did Abraham do? He believed big. What did Joseph do? He dreamed big. What did Joshua do? He prayed big. Amen. So now we're going to the last one. And I saved this for last because it ties to the Scripture. He can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. So this fourth key is this. If he's going to be a big God to you, you're going to have to ask big. Don't be afraid to ask the Father God big things in the upcoming year. Amen? Amen. Now, I want to go through this, and, and uh, I've got a lot, and I, we didn't have that long of, of worship service. So stay awake. Sit on the edge of your seat. Look perky. Don't look bored. I don't like preaching to people that look bored and smile. Amen. Amen. Keys to asking big. Now listen, you ask big because you know your Father's nature. Say this, I ask big because I know my Father's nature. Look at Luke chapter eleven, would you please? Luke chapter eleven. And I re- I realize this when you read this in context, it's it's referring to the Holy Spirit and asking for the Holy Spirit. But I want to read this read this because it applies to what what I'm talking about. Asking big, it says in verse nine of Luke chapter eleven. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you so if you don't ask it won't be given to you isn't that simple so you so i say to you ask it will be given to you seek and you will find knock it will be open to you for everyone who asks receives So, you ask big because you know your Father's nature. He is willing to give. He loves to give. In fact, the motive behind His giving is what? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Now, this I thought of this, and some of you have heard this story. How many of you remember men... Especially, I shouldn't limit it to men, but how many remember your first vehicle? Ron, do you remember your first vehicle? Boy, I'll remember that was back in the 70s. What a wonderful decade. And I'll never forget this. My folks owned a shoe store and a retail business. And I was raised in that shoe store, and I worked in that shoe store. It's the best education I ever received. My folks, they, it, was, it was tough. They struggled, and, and uh, I'll never forget this, because I went to my dad, and I said, Dad, I want my car. I want to get a car. And uh I had my eyes on one and it was a Pontiac Le Mans and it was a, a stick shift automatic on the f- floor. I can remember it was tan and uh, the cream top. Oh my god, it was a cool car. And you know guys you gotta have cool cars if you want cool chicks. And uh, back then, I'd, I'd, I was pretty heavy through school, and I'd lost weight. My complexion cleared up, so I was making up for lost time. So I needed, I needed that car. And I'll never, this is so vivid in my memory. And part of me, it. well, not really, but I, I remember sitting down at the table, the kitchen table, and there's my mom, and there's my dad, and we were talking about this car, and and granted, I had to I had to do something, I had to pay for it. My folks didn't hand everything to me on a silver platter, and that's the best thing they ever did. I had to work. And I'll never forget my dad. He he liked the car and he was on my side. But my mother, on the other side of the table, and you gotta understand, I drove my mother because she'd reached for the menthols many times through my years of high school, because I was a character. And uh, she said, she, I remember her words. This is her words. My dad's name was Elmer. Thank God I'm not Elmer II. I'll never forget this as long as I live. She looked at my dad, and, and my dad said, yeah, we'll get that car. And she had tears going down her face. And I remember her saying, but Elmer... His car will be better than our car. And she put her head down on the table. She could kind of, you know, do that. Did I get the car? Yeah. Did I get the girl? No. But I sure had fun. Your father, if your earthly father, even if he isn't a, a, a believer in Jesus, can give good things to his children. How much more will your Heavenly Father, who really is a God of love, and He wants to bless you? You've got to start seeing God in a different light. He's a good God. It's COVID is not God's fault. Satan is the God of this world. But I'm I'm about to tell you something. Things are changing. Things are changing. Locally. Nationally and worldwide, we're going to see some exciting things in the days ahead. Amen? The Bible says every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights in whom there's no variableness nor shadow of turning. First Timothy 6.17 says, Who gives us richly all things to enjoy? Say, He gives us richly all things to enjoy. Proverbs 10 22 says, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich. And he adds no sorrow with it. When I look at the word ask here in the scripture, in the Greek, the Greek scholar Rick Renner says this, Ask means this, to be adamant in requesting and demanding assistance to meet tangible needs such as food, shelter, money. This word also means to demand or insist, not in a rude, disrespectful way, but it means uh, to ask, it means it expresses the idea that one possesses a full expectation to receive what was firmly requested. So you and I need, when we ask the Father for things, expect them. Don't wonder, I wonder if I'll, I'll get my prayer answered. I wonder if I'll receive, you know, my prayer request. No, He's promised. You're in covenant with God. And He'll meet your needs, spirit, soul, and body. Amen? That's right. That's the truth. The next one. You ask big because you know the proper protocol. You ask big because you know the proper protocol. Look at John 14. John 14. And verse 12. You can ask big and I can ask the Father big things because we know the proper way to do it. John 14 and verse 12 says, most, these are the words of Jesus, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. Well, you could stop and meditate on that. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Mark 16, it says, the name of Jesus carries the full weight of his authority. How many of you know in Mark 16, 16 it I'll turn there, turn there, let's, I want you to see it. Mark chapter 16. And then I'll comment on that. Mark 16, verse 15. It says, and he said to them, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who what? Believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. How many of you want to cast out a devil? Cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. Now that's not like they do down south, so don't get nervous. I'm not going to bring out the snakes. They will take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. You've got to see it's all in the name of Jesus. You ask big because you know the proper protocol. You pray in the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus carries the full weight of his authority behind it. Let me say that again. The name, when you use the name of Jesus, it carries the full weight of his authority behind it. Jesus gave us the power of attorney. I could ask Ron, but I won't. Most of you know what the power of attorney means. Amen? If you have the power of attorney, you represent somebody. Guess what? You have full license to go. Amen? And and exercise and do business for that individual. Kenyon says this, all that Jesus was, his name is. All that Jesus was, that name will ever be during this dispensation. That name, the name of Jesus, has lost none of the power of the man who bore it. That name has the same power that was in Christ in his earth walk. Boy, it makes you stop and think about the fact about using that name, not frivolously. Too many use the, use the name of Jesus in, 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 in disrespectfully and in cursing. But you use the name of Jesus, all the power of heaven is behind it. All the power of Almighty God's throne is behind that name. So why can you ask big? Because you ask in the name. Next one you 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 ask because you ask in faith. Look at James 1. I'm going to really have to whittle this down today and I I'll, I'll do it. So don't get nervous. You'll get out of here by 3. I'm serious. James James chapter 1. Look at verse 2. My brethren count it all joy. When you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach. It will be given to him, but let him ask in faith, say ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man and stable in all his ways. Unstable people are people that ask for something one day then change their mind the next day and they don't think God can do it. They waver. When you ask God, hold on to the word. Hold on to the promise. Believe that God is faithful. You know, I ask God... For things three decades ago, and I haven't seen it yet, but I'm still here. You can't give up. You can't quit. Amen? When James tells us to ask God for the wisdom we need, the Greek tense used is a command. Interesting. If anyone lacks insight, let him firmly request it. If anyone has a shortage of wisdom, he should demand it. If anyone is baffled and doesn't know what to do, he should be bold to ask. So I'm I'm telling you, folks, the Father wants you to come boldly before his throne of grace and ask. Expecting to receive. Amen? Now, the third one is this. Look at 1 John 3. We haven't gotten to the, the fourth individual yet, have we? I've had one individual in every lesson that was an example, and we're going to have one here in a second of an individual that asks something big. First John chapter three, look at verse eighteen. You ask big number three because you keep his commandments. They keep his commandments. First John three eighteen says. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. Now listen, and whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments, and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. So one proper protocol as far as asking. When you ask God, make sure, real simple, your conscience is clear. Say, my conscience is clear. If you're in sin, if there's a sin in your life, if there's something going on in your life, can you go boldly before the throne of grace? and expect to receive? No, you've got to deal with that sin. You've got to deal with that attitude before you go before God. But if you do that, you can do it in confidence, knowing your heart's pure, your motives are right. So look at your neighbor and say, stay pure. Stay clean. Amen. Amen. Psalm 119.11 says, Your word I have hidden my, hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. So how do you keep your conscience clean? How do you keep sin out of your heart? You hide the word of God in your heart. Amen? Now, I'm, I'm going, i got to go faster here. Number four. You pray according to His will. You're in 1 John, look over a chapter. Look at chapter 5 and verse 14. Chapter 5, verse 14, it says, Now this is the confidence we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us, and if we know that He hears us whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've desired of Him. Again, Rick Renner says this, If you abide in Me, or abide in the Word, and My words abide in you, you will never ask for anything out of His will. Because your mind and your spirit are so full of His Word, you'll never ask for anything out of His will. If you and and I will work really hard at spending time in fellowship with God every day and putting His Word into our heart and praying and spending time in worship, you're going to be so close to God, why in the world would you ask for anything in left field? Amen? You're going to ask for things that that please the Father. You know, one of the things with the church in the days ahead is I want to see the kingdom of God advanced in our city. I want to see the kingdom of God advanced in northeast Nebraska, in the state of Nebraska, in this nation. So we're going to have to become kingdom-minded. It's not all just about Harvest Church. We've got to think bigger and expand our horizons. Amen? That's the truth. Now, I'm skipping some, but that's all right. I want you to look at 2 Kings because this is what I want you to see today. 2 Kings. Look at chapter 2. Now, what did Abraham do? Believe, big. What was the next one? What did he do? What was the third one? What did Joshua do? What did Elisha do? He asked big. (laughs) Oh, this is the one that just thrills my spirit. Amen. Let's read it, let's pick up. You've got to understand Elijah, the the prophet, great prophet in the Old Testament, is about to depart from planet Earth. And all the prophets in those days knew, because prophets should know, shouldn't they? That Elijah the great prophet was going to be taken, whether he died physically or he, but That's not what happened to him. But there was a man who served underneath Elijah. Elisha. Say Elisha. He was called by Elijah years earlier. What was Elisha doing when Elijah called him? Plowing a field. Just working. And so we pick up here now as Elijah ascends to heaven and it came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal then Elijah said to Elisha stay here please for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel but Elisha said as the Lord lives as your soul lives I'll not leave you so they went down to Bethel now is that a servant Now the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you not know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord sent me on to Jericho. But he said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? He's heard this and heard this. So he answered, Yes, I know. Basically, shut up. Keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, please. For the Lord has sent me on to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives, as your soul lives, I will not leave you. I'd sure like an employee like that. (laughs) So the two of them went on. Now here come, there's always a few standing in the background. Fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them at a distance, while the two of them stood by the Jordan now Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up and struck the water and it was divided this way and that so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. Now, I'd say that's a miracle. And so it was when they would crossed over that Elijah said to Elijah, Are you reading? What's it say? Ask, what may I do for you before I'm taken away from you? Here comes the, the big question, the big asking. And Elisha said, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. In other words, the great prophet Elijah had an anointing, miracles. Now Elisha, his successor, saying, I want double. I want double the miracles that you had. Now he didn't do it because he just wanted to be the big prophet of the hour. He knew that he was going to have to follow Elijah, his spiritual father, in his footsteps, and he knew it was going to take miracle-working power, God's miracle-working power to fulfill his ministry. That simple. So he said, you've asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be so for you, but if not, it shall not be so. Then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. What a way to go. How'd you like to go home? He didn't die physically. God just took him. There was another guy named Enoch, same way. What a way to to go to heaven, not die physically. Just get on a chariot of fire and go home. And Elisha saw it, and he cried out, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more, and he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into two pieces. Now, I like this part. He also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen upon him, went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water and said, Where's the Lord God of Elijah? And when he'd also had struck the water, it was divided this way and that, and Elisha crossed over. And this is the part I think is the great part. Now when the sons of the prophets who were from Jericho saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed down to the ground before him, and they said to him, Look now, there are fifty strong men with your servants. Please let them go and search for your master. There were prophets. They're basically saying maybe he died on a hill somewhere. You Go find the body. Lest perhaps the Spirit of the Lord has taken him up and cast him some on some mountain or into some valley. And he said, you shall not send anyone. But when they urged him till he was ashamed, he said, send them. Therefore they sent 50 men. They searched for three days but not, did not find him. And when they came back to him, for he'd stayed in Jericho, he said to them, I, I told you, don't go. This is what I want you to see. This last example. You ask big because you know God will reward your faithful and loyal service. That's simple. You're sitting here today and you've been faithful. I've had people, Kathy and I've had people that have been with us a handful from the beginning and they've been faithful. You hold fast to that, that Your God is going to bless you because you're faithful, because you're loyal, because you're, should I say this word? Teachable. Elisha fit that category and he got a double portion. You go on and study the miracles, twice as many as his, you know, spiritual father Elijah. Elisha asked big, You need to ask big. Now, I want to end with this. I knew about a prophecy that had been given years ago. You've heard me teach and mention the name Smith Wigglesworth. Mario Morello, uh, on page 143, this is a wonderful book. It's entitled... Vessels of Fire and Glory. How many of you want to be a vessel of fire and glory? But at the end of his book, he says this. Are you listening? A breed of Christian is coming to turn America away from destruction. I'll say it again. A breed of Christian is coming to turn America away from destruction. You could also say, a remnant of 300. I'm in that 300. I believe you're in that remnant of 300. I believe you're a, a Christian of a certain breed. He says, we're running out of time. They will be bold, creative, compelling, and express the deep love of God like a light in the darkness. But there's one more thing they will be, and no one predicted it better than Smith Wigglesworth. I, I, if you do not know who this gentleman was at the turn of the 20th century, into the, about the 1930s, 1940s, was a great man of God. People were raised from the dead in his ministry. I can find you books about I mean, it's, it's, it's really interesting. He says this. Smith Wigglesworth was preaching at... Um, in Los Angeles, August 11th, 1929, he had issued a solemn warning about the last days and how half of the body of Christ would not be ready. 1929, what's this going to be? 2023? It's almost 100 years. That half the body of Christ would not be ready for what? The return of Jesus. Then he said something That we must all do. I'm quoting Smith Wigglesworth, the great apostle of faith. Up to this present time, the Lord's word is for us. Hitherto you have asked nothing. Surely your people that have been asking great things from God for a long time would be amazed. If you entered into it with clear knowledge that it is the Master, it is Jesus, who has such knowledge of the mightiness of the power of the Father and of the joint union with Him, that nothing is impossible for you to ask. Surely it is He only who could say, Hitherto you've asked nothing. So God means... They talked different back then. He says, So God means me to press you another step forward. Begin to believe On extravagant asking. Believing that God is pleased when you ask of Him large things. I'm going to repeat that last statement. So God means me to press you another step forward. Begin Harvest Church to believe on asking extravagant things. Believing that God is pleased when you ask large things. End of quote. We've entered a time of extravagant asking. That's what Mario Morales was saying. I firmly believe we've entered a time in this dispensation of the church for asking big. Jesus did not die on a cross, shed his blood for you and I, Go to hell for you and I. Be raised from the dead and resurrected for you and I. Sit down at the right hand of the Father for you and I. Just to ask for small things. Know who you are. Know who you are. People have called me in the past arrogant. I know who I am. And I might come across brash, but I know who I am. And I know my God. He's your God. And He loves you. And He wants you to ask Him for big things. Don't ask the preacher to ask big things for you. Ask big things for you. Concerned about your kids? Concerned about your grandchildren? Then start asking big. Ask God to deliver them from drugs and alcohol. You have not because you ask not. That's scripture. We've entered a time of extravagant asking. It is time to ask God for the impossible and the unimaginable. These askers are coming. Say the askers are coming. It is that element in the vessel of God that is prepared for every good work. These are greater works than Jesus declared when he said, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father in heaven. I had asked Caden when we were sitting at lunch one day, I said, "I, I remember this prophecy about extravagant asking. Well, he got online and he found it for me. I ended up finding it in Mario Morello's book. But a woman by the name of Nancy Dufresne, if you'll know Ed Dufresne, remember Ed Dufresne? Prophet. He'd been here, I don't know how many times. He's one of the, my favorite ministers I've ever known. Died tragically when his plane, he went up with his pilot out of Wichita in a storm and just nosedived. You think, my God, a prophet? We're all human beings, folks. But his wife, who now took over the ministry years ago after he died, wrote this. And she's commenting on the word extravagant asking. I'll read this and then we're done. In fact, why don't you stand up? Because if I see you standing, I know we're done. And I won't belabor the point. This is so good. This should be an encouragement to you folks today. She defines this word. Wigglesworth used on extravagant asking. Extravagant in the dictionary means more than is necessary, exceeding the bounds of reason, going beyond what is deserved, wandering beyond bounds, wandering beyond bounds. He says, let, she says, look, at, let's look at these definitions. The first one, more than is necessary to think and ask based on what is needed, is to miss the mark. God wants us to have more than what is needed. God wants us to have more than what is needed. Number two, exceeding the bounds of reason. That was another definition of extravagant asking. This is the quote. If we are going to have extravagant asking and extravagant receiving, we're going to have to go beyond the bounds of the reasonings of the mind. Abundance won't flow for those who try to mentally calculate everything. Then let those mental calculations dictate their, dictate their level of asking and receiving. If you live in the cerebral, you're in trouble. The mind sets a boundary. You can go no further than it will let you if you're going to follow the mind. But the faith that's in your spirit can lead you into abundance and even extravagance if you will bypass the reasoning the reasonings of your mind and follow your spirit into it. We must follow the Word and the Spirit into abundance. That's such a good... Don't let that go over your head. Let me say that again. We must follow the Word and the Spirit into abundance for the spirit has seen the abundance of heaven he knows the great resources and supply that are available for the asking we have to trust what he sees and knows of heaven enough to bypass our minds and follow him with our spirits into large believing large thinking large asking and large receiving as a believer i'm not limited to my salary some of us need to Amen? I'm not limited my salary. As a pastor, I'm not limited to the people's giving. Amen to that. You're ne- you've never been my source, and you never will be. I'm limited only by my faith if I will have faith and ask large. God has many avenues through which he will meet my faith, and he will employ whatever avenue necessary to answer my faith. Prosperity is a faith issue, not a money issue. I'm waiting for that to sink in, some of you. Prosperity is a faith issue, not a money issue. Number three, going beyond what is deserved. That was the definition of extravagant asking. So many Christians limit their asking and their receiving based on their own feelings of human inadequacy. We're new creatures in Christ. Old things are passed away. Behold, all become new. We are now in Christ. We are one with Him. We're to receive... Based on who we are in Him. We are to receive based on who we are in Christ. Many let the devil steal from them by thinking more of what they're not. Than of what He made them to be. We're all guilty of that. Number four. The last one. Wondering beyond bounds. All around you are boundaries. Your profession, your salary, the way you were raised, your past, the people around you. For us to ask and receive extravagantly, we can't let the boundaries around us be our stopping place. We must go beyond them in our believing, in our thinking, and in our asking. Some of us have boundaries. we got to knock them down, folks. And she quotes Brother Wigglesworth. God is pleased when you ask large things. We ask to the level we believe God is able to work. When we ask small, we're telling God we believe He's only able to do small. But when we ask large, we are letting God know we believe He is able to do large No wonder it would be pleasing to God for us to ask large. It lets him know how big we think he is. Oh, I'm happy now. I'll tell you what, that's the word of the Lord for today. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. Oh, Father, forgive us for asking small, believing small, receiving small. When your word clearly states how big you are. Today I pray for this body here. I pray for the people here. I pray for their families, their businesses. Everything that their hands touch in the days ahead will prosper. Because they're going to think bigger in 2023. I say those boundaries and those walls that have prevented them from expansion and growth and prosperity blessings. I say walls, you come down in Jesus' name. I call this body of believers kingdom-minded people. They're not out to build their own individual kingdom. But Father, you have called your people to advance and build your kingdom on earth. So we pray your kingdom come, your will be done this day in the name of Jesus. Lord, I'm going to ask bigger in the days ahead. And I believe this body is going to ask bigger in the days ahead because you're a God of covenant. And we're in covenant with you through the blood of your Son. And I thank you, Father, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So, Father, we're going to ask extravagant things in the days ahead and expect to receive them. So, Father, I thank you for watching over your word to perform it in the lives of these people here this day. I call them blessed spiritually, blessed physically, blessed financially, blessed in their relationships. In Jesus' name. And look at your neighbor and say everything he says in the Bible. Amen. Is there anyone here today, before I dismiss you, need prayer for your physical body? We believe in praying for the sick. That's part of our inheritance in Christ. We're all wealthy. Abe's the only one. Well, he must be in sin. Oh, just lighten up. Do you know how many times he makes fun of me? You would not know how many times he hassles this guy. I hope you heard that, Abraham. We know you're not in sin. We've prayed for your healing. You will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. Amen. Anything else? Well, Wednesday at 7, come expecting to pray. Bold prayers. Amen. God bless you. Thank you.